Welcome to the Science and Paranormal with Dr. Yana and Dr. Elliot, where science meets the unexpected, where we delve deep into the mysteries that straddle the line between scientific inquiry and paranormal. Get ready for a mind-altering journey as we embark on this phenomenal discovery together on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. All right, welcome to the first episode of uh, Science and the Paranormal. I am Elliot Van Dusen. For those uh, who don't know me, I am the Director of Paranormal Phenomena Research and Investigation, and uh, now I'm going to be a host on, on the show with uh, Dr. Yana Greenberg. Uh, she's having some technical difficulties tonight, so right now uh, I'm riding solo. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight, uh, Dr. Marina Smir uh, Smironova. Uh, she is a faculty member at the Department of Humanistic Psychology at Saybrook University, and she specializes in consciousness, spirituality, uh, integrated health, and um, she is originally from Russia. Uh, she's very well educated. She actually won an award at uh, Saybrook University for her research and uh, and studies involving um, consciousness and transpersonal uh, psychology. So very excited to hear about uh, her work. And uh, without further ado, let's bring her into the show. Hello, everyone. Thank Hi. you so much. Oh, no just problem. Just to clarify, it simply is an award for excellence. Yeah, oh yeah, in my, in my work, it, yes. I, I I still think it's amazing. I uh, I was reading your biography on uh, on the Saybrook University website, and I've seen that you've done some great work in transpersonal uh, psychology. And um, why don't you tell us about some of the research that you do um, involving transpersonal psychology and consciousness? Thank you. So I truly believe that uh, research is about living it. So the qualitative approaches um, is something that is dear to my heart. But most importantly, what uh, developed for me was to be in the moment in transpersonal ways, uh, recognizing consciousness, recognizing spirituality, recognizing how it affects integrative health and how the transpersonal domain comes into conversation by day and by night. So while my interests are largely transpersonal and our the audience can think of it as um, transpersonal in terms of going above, beyond, but through the personal domain and incorporating not only biographical domains, the, the domain of the psyche, but also perinatal, and I can say more about that, and transpersonal domains. So think of it as a tripod um, that represents the psyche with three domains, again, biographical, perinatal, not prenatal, perinatal, and transpersonal. And for me, living that transpersonal tradition is where it's at. That, that's great. Um, I know uh, with uh, your studies as well, you believe in um, reaching a higher consciousness. Can you tell our audience about uh, your work with reaching a higher consciousness? How does one actually reach higher yeah. consciousness? Uh, gladly. I'm so glad that you asked, Elliot. So we could think of it as highly theoretical approach, and yet we can actually bring it into everyday life uh, through various um, theorists, but also practitioners who have enriched our understanding as a humankind. One of them is Dr. David R. 
Hawkins, who, when he was alive with us here in this plane, uh, he has contributed decades of experience, over five decades, as a psychiatrist, but not an ordinary one, uh, and who actually transitioned into being a spiritual teacher later in his life. So he developed a map of consciousness that represents a consciousness that we can experience as humans in our domain here and now, beginning with, with uh, one and up to a thousand, with 200 being a game changer because 200 would be representing the level of courage. And when we speak about the level of courage as consciousness, we can think of it as vibration. He has actually calibrated this using muscle testing over a period of decades. That system still is operant and well, and it translates exceptionally well to everyday life. In that system, anytime that we are experiencing uh, difficult, challenging moments, time, and stretches of our lives, such as, for instance, grieving, grieving would be at 75 on that scale, right? Think of it as, again, level of consciousness or vibration. Uh, fear would be at 100. Uh, 150 would be, you know, for instance, going into anger. And ex having this human experience really helps us to lean into life. And then at 175 comes pride. And at 200, we have an essentially new level, level of courage that actually helps us to go further. And that would be uh, raising our vibration in such a way that we, according to David R. Hawkins, no longer are attracting the detriment of the world to us. So think of it as this way, that whatever is it that we're experiencing, and none of this is right or wrong, it is just in the realm of human experiences, but what we choose to cultivate attracts the like. When we're choosing to cultivate courage at 200, it attracts more courage. When we're choosing to cultivate a level of acceptance at 310, for instance, right? More experiences are coming to complement this. And for us having this conversation and touching on not only experiential territories, but also on intellectual territories and uh, the domain of 400, that would be the domain of logic and intellect. For instance, David R. Hawkins in his collaboration approach determined that in the intellectual line of development, we can only go as far as 499. At 499, we have Einstein, for instance, as an example. And Elliot, you may not believe it, but according to David R. Hawkins, at 500, which is a paradigm shift, it's a domain of L-O-V-E. Interesting. Well, we have dogs wagging their tails. We have birds chirping. We have cats purring. We have that awakening of non-linear domain. And here we are when we find ourselves there, even for a moment, even for a short stretch in a day, by even maybe stepping outside at noon and greeting the sun. It could be as simple. Any ritual that cultivates love and lovingness in return, uh, we are choosing to raise our vibration or raise our consciousness. There's something to be said about unconditional love, which is at, four, at 540. Think of it as a realm of deepest gratitude. Anytime we choose to be deeply grateful for our life, and that is actually well-researched, yes, that, that we 
are benefiting in, in numerous ways. And according to David R. Hawkins, we're entering that field of unconditional love, which according to him and many others, is a very realistic goal for us human beings. To very interesting. Reach towards, yes, yes, yes. And needless to say, it goes much higher, up to a thousand, yes. So our avatars and enlightened beings Enlightenment can start about 700 sometimes, you know, uh, there are areas that are below this in 600 and then it goes higher and higher and higher. And this scale of consciousness is logarithmic. Even a few um, vibrational tones, if you will, up amount to a tremendous change in human life for oneself, for our communities, for the humanity. Very, very fascinating. We have uh, Dr. Anna Greenberg is ready to join us here. Uh, she's going to come in. Wonderful. Am I here, guys, finally? You are here. Oh, thank God. You are well, here. Hello, everyone. I am so pleased to be here. I actually raised my consciousness in a technological terms now, and I was able to overcome it at the level of 500, and I'm finally here. So... I am so glad and um, I was listening to the conversation that you guys had and um, a question arises. So in order for us to, in fact, raise our consciousness and be able to get past the level of 200, uh, would our personal stories and narratives uh, be um, an impediment to our progression toward the spiritual development. For example, uh, the archetypes that are the inherent uh, parts of our soul. How do we overcome those patterns in order to uh, reach the spiritual ascension, spiritual development? Well, first of all, I guess that we need to define what are the archetypes? So, Dr. Marina, would you be able to talk to us about archetypes? What yes. kind of strange concept is, is it? Everyone yes, talks about it. Let's define it. Yeah, happily. Thank you so much for asking uh, several questions. Think of archetypes as um, primordial forces of the divine. This is one of the ways in which Carl Gustav Jung, who, who contributed most of his life, most of his adult life, to developing... <laughs> Uh, knowledge in uh, uh, analytical psychology, which includes archetypes. And we can think of archetypes as uh, there are innumerable, they are innumerable, they are ubiquitous. And he distinguished between archetype per se and archetypal manifestation or expression. For example, an archetype of a mother as an archetype per se, can and does manifest itself as in a variety of, uh, let's say in this case, uh, women, for example, yes, who um, carry certain attributes. In some sense, they're more pronounced than in others, but overall, it is that energetic weave that allows us to recognize, aha, this is an archetype of a mother and manifestation of that. This is archetype, for, for example, of a sage and manifestation of this. This is an archetype of a teacher 
And here are many manifestations of that. Here's an archetype of a seeker. And we have three right here manifestations of them right here. <laughs> Elliot, Yana, and me, yes. So uh, archetypes are all around us. And with respect to your question, I actually for myself have connected the archetypal development, the levels of consciousness that I, I mentioned, for example, uh, through the map of consciousness by, by Dr. David R. Hawkins and archetypal domain too. We can think of various levels of vibration or consciousness as archetypes. And that is how I see this. For instance, an archetype of love. Yes, can manifest in so many ways. And we're talking about here 500. Of course, there are uh, stories that go and um, narratives that go and accompany us all our lives. And at the cer at certain points, I truly believe that we are offered opportunities to heal, opportunities to recontextualize our life, opportunities to accept and embrace and forgive our own selves for holding on to certain ideas that no longer are working for us. For instance, an archetype of fear at 100 can be a li lifelong struggle. And there is such a term in transpersonal psychology, in the psychology of Carl Gustav Jung, as archetypal possession. And we can think of it as a metaphorical sense where an archetype comes in as a very uh, poignant and all-embracing in the sense of that particular archetype presence. For example, fear can, can come in quite often for individuals in such a power that it could feel um, overwhelming. Yes. And so how do we extricate ourselves even for brief moments in time in our lives from that domain or from that metaphorically speaking possession or full identification with this archetype? I suggest we keep negotiating our territories. Well, yes. I believe that the, first of all, in order to steer away from fear, I think we need to define the archetype as such. So what is uh, in fact the archetype? Um, the archetype is, uh, uh, to put it simply, uh, well, it comes from the Greek word archetypos, so which is uh, the first, uh, the origin of the archi, and the, the typos uh, is the pattern. So those are originally, the original patterns, original ideas that are embedded in our human behavior, that are embedded in our psyches, that are governing our behavior, our feelings, our consciousness. So going back to that uh, um, question on how do we uh, move beyond our own personal stories, that with the archetypes, um, it is such a vast concept and everyone uh, seems to be having their own understanding of this concept. However, they are the, the universal patterns of behavior. They are the motives. They are the primordial images that are symbolically um, manifested and understood. So even the Plato, if we look back 400 years BC, even Plato, he started talking about that. And I'm sure that other people were talking, the philosophers before him as well. So he had that idea of Eidos. Well, actually, Eidos was the idea. So now what we call the idea was the Eidos. And he believed that that was the free form that comprised our souls, 
and became a part of it before we are born. And then, of course, Jung, he carried on on that idea and um, he expanded and then became a father. And actually, he was a grandfather. And then James Hillman became the father of the archetypal psychology. So if we look at that, um, not to fear that idea, those are intellectual forces that are a part of our psyches. And even before the Plato, for example, that the, he was um, influenced by Socrates, Pythagoras, and Homer, for example, right? And then even after him, based on the ideas that uh, uh, Plato was um, describing and talking and writing about. So he influenced Immanuel Kant, René Descartes, and even Nietzsche. So that idea of archetypes is deeply embedded well, in science, in, liter in literature, in philosophy. So how do we go beyond our personal stories, those archetypes, like you described wonderfully, uh, archetypal complexes, and reach the certain level of uh, development, spiritual development? I sense that there are a number of ways to go about this, and everybody has to find their own way. Yes, for Jung, when he spoke about complexes, uh, at the heart of each complex is an archetype with a primordial force, as you mentioned, patterning force, and also ubiquitous force. It goes beyond ages. And the entire, the entire collective unconscious, as Carl Gustav Jung postulated it, and held it is filled with archetypes and archetypes, uh, archetypal uh, archetypes per se, who are waiting to be awoken. For me, rather than going deeply in our conversation into uh, archetypal psychology of Rather Hillman or analytical psychology of Carl Gustav Jung, I sense that it would be um, helpful to simply stay with vibrations or in colloquial with the vibes. When I think of archetype of forgiveness, and that is linked also to David R. Hawking's scale of consciousness, well above 200. That archetype in and out of itself, anytime I choose to say a prayer and say, I forgive myself, and I ask for forgiveness from others, I am releasing myself from the hold or possession of that archetype, should it be reaching that level. I think this is a powerful everyday knowledge, everyday knowing that we've been taught, or at least we've heard many a time, and sometimes we dismiss it as something trivial. And from my own lived experience, I've learned that this is far from anything trivial, and this is as archetypally powerful, and as powerful in terms of vibration, as any high theories, any high uh, philosophical uh, conversations, such as even Plato's The Republic, the myth of Ur, which very beautiful story at the end of The Republic. And to me, when we think of energy, we can think of this as archetypal presence or vibration. What kind of archetypal presence is this? And how is this that it influences me? Is it bringing me 
towards the direction in that sense of 200, 300, 400, and 500? Or is it drawing me down where things one after another seemingly begin to just uh, go the wrong way? So what is at the heart of it? And I could choose to focus on what is going wrong, which is definitely is overall human tendency. Because we first notice what does not belong. This is our part of our protection mechanism. And it takes practice and takes mindfulness and it takes a moment of contemplation and pause. And this is something that Richard Rod teaches and I really appreciate his ideas of the gene key and dream arc. This is another way of bringing to reality working with archetypes. And for him, it would be 64 key archetypes. This is part of the gene keys and is based on I Ching system, ancient system, and how do we work with each archetype, including the archetype of love. And I'm in emphasizing this on purpose because, again, according to many, including David R. Hawking's, unconditional love is a very tangible and yet elusive, yet energetically available um, archetype we can cultivate in our lives. And so for me, I can speak for myself. I don't know how that would work for our viewers and listeners, I'm sure they will resonate with something that all three of us are sharing tonight. And that's the idea. Anytime we choose to gravitate towards shame, uh, towards guilt, towards apathy, towards uh, getting lost in grief, uh, in fear, consciously or unconsciously, yes, and in anger and in desire for simply less than we're capable for achieving as human beings with capital letter H and capital letter B. I sense that it is an invitation for us to pause and ask, when was the last time I experienced something that inspired me? Maybe it is reaching for the keyboard that's right to the left of me. I haven't played for so many years and all of a sudden this summer out of all you know uh, possibilities, uh, at the end of July, and actually astrologically later I found out, it was uh, the day of Sirius. So it's very interesting. It came up that I set up my piano and I started playing. And guess what? Anytime I choose to, to change my vibration, I either go to the kitchen, start cooking, or making bread. I go to the piano. I take my dog for a walk. Or I simply listen to authors that help me to raise my own consciousness and that work for me. This is why we often listen to music. This is why we often give a call to a friend. This is why we often reflect upon the times that we perhaps even felt better. So what can we do now is the question. How can we so, do it right now? And that is so interesting that you mentioned that it works for you. And we are all dissimilar. We can be similar in some, to some extent, but we are so different. And then for all of us, we have our own ways of coping. And when you mentioned that uh, uh, we have to be really conscious of what does not belong to us, meaning that what are the forces that are preventing us from moving forward? What are the forces that are keeping us be, uh, below the level 200? and not allowing us to move forward. <clears throat> so that makes me think of Dr. Elliot's research and he's teaching the classes uh, on uh, uh, parapsychology. And um, uh, what is the course that you're teaching on? Um, parapsychology and demonology. Demo demonology, that's right, and demonology. Yes. So if we look at that, um, 
at the archetypes, which are the primordial forces that actually can hijack our emotions, our thoughts and feelings. Now, how is this concept similar to demonology? Would it be in lay person's uh, terms or in the religious terms? Uh, something that is uh, would be demonology, but in fact, in archetypal psychology, it would be uh, that would be called archetypes, and those archetypes would also represented in the images that would have the names, and there are archetypes of uh, um, higher vibrations, like Dr. Marina mentioned, and there are archetypes that are also uh, causing us uh, to get in, involved in really bad uh, behaviors that are destroying us, like uh, addictions, alcohol, drugs, uh, even shame like Dr. Marina's mentioned. And that will be a continuous state of existence, um, shame, for example. And how would that be similar or dissimilar, Dr. Elliot? Um, there are some similarities, uh, for sure. The one thing that comes to my mind is the metaphysical uh, dualism uh, part of um, the concept of you know, higher consciousness. Uh, talks about uh, the underlying um, you know, belief in good versus evil, light versus darkness. Uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Marina was talking about vibrations. So oftentimes in demonology, uh, you know, cases, we, we hear of low vibrations, uh, negative vibrations, uh, whereas, you know, we've been kind of touching on, uh, on the positive vibrations and high vibrations. Um, there's certainly, you know, uh, a relation to that kind of concept there. And also... Um, the uh, the forgiveness part that uh, Marina was talking about as well that's really big in um, Christian demonology or Christianity because uh, you not only you know have to forgive your neighbor but it's also very important to forgive yourself as well and uh, you you were talking about you know what holds us back what are the forces that holds us back and um, doc, again Dr Marina hit on, hit the nail on the head there about uh, the mind is programmed to be so negative and it's so funny we've survived for so long but our mind always like doubts our abilities it doubts you know our capabilities like what we can do and and how high we can go and how far we can reach and it's always trying to like break us down and you have to find those ways to uh, kind of clear clear your mind and you know uh one concept that i do is um mindfulness techniques uh for example you know that that helps you um kind of clear your conscience and also helps get your vibrations up and clear your mind so i i think there are some some similarities between um this this phenomena in demonology to an extent for sure to an extent yes uh, um long time ago when i just started the researching archetypes and i did not quite understand the concept to me, uh, they were very similar to instincts. So this idea of instincts that we have um, can be understood in the terms of the archetypal manifestations. Now, if those forces that comprise our souls are able 
to move us in directions that are, for example, unwanted by us. And that is uh, being even uh, speaking on a mundane level, like, uh, for example, that we need to prepare for the talk, for the study, for a podcast. We need to read, we need to uh, perform some tasks that we have planned for a long time. And they are so immediate that need to be done. All of a sudden, what do we do? All of a sudden, we decided that, oh, I need a snack. Or I become so hungry. Oh, you know what? Right now, I need to wash the floors or hang the curtains. And what happens is that those are not, uh, that is not our consciousness per se. Those are the parts that are essential to our psyches that can hijack our attention and go someplace else. Yeah. So yeah. with the uh, instinctual um, thinking and behavior, uh, like Dr. Marina said, and rightfully so, that we have to move and surpass completely, trans transform ourselves and move beyond those uh, negative forces that are holding us down that are on a lower vibrational level. And we can feel that from other people as well that uh, we associate with uh, who are not having the healthy practices, healthy uh, physical practices or even uh, um, spiritual practices. And also who are not aware of the level 200 or 500 moving beyond the two, uh, level 200. So love, like you um, mentioned, if we practice, if we um, participate in meditation, for example, every single day and bring our vibration up. So does that automatically move us beyond the negative forces of the archetypal um, connection or demonic for example that is in christian um religion or actually also the many other religions uh, there the, the negative demonic forces and angelic forces yes. so and in the psychological terms uh, there are archetypes that can be also the negative and they can be positive but in fact they are just the fundamental characteristics rather than the specific peculiarities of the idea. So they are universal. And if we talk about, um, no, this is not me. Uh, there can be viewers that can be saying that that is not me. I don't have any archetypes. I don't have any demons. I don't have anything that are governing uh, my behavior. Uh, would they be right? I uh, can't wait to hear, uh, <laughs> hear hear this response. The one thing that comes to my mind is uh, the persona. This was a, a type of archetype that uh, Carl Jung had, had right. come up with. You know, basically, like maybe on this podcast, I present myself one way, but in you know, in my personal life, I may present myself differently. Um, so I, I think a lot of humans do that, even in the workplace. You probably have the work version of uh, Marina, and then you have the personal. You know side of uh marina um that that's my two cents on uh on that part so i think it would be very hard for somebody to say that they don't have any type of of uh archetype for sure yeah i i'm so glad uh that both of you are taking us so much deeper on the conversation i'm sure that our viewers and listeners are, are simply 
enjoying it and perhaps are being puzzled and that's all okay because we puzzle over this together. And you're absolutely right, Dr. Elliot, that, that um, Carl Gustav Jung postulated that there are five fundamental archetypes that are uh, uh, predominant in our psyches as human beings. That would be one of them is persona, the shadow. Then we have anima or the, the archetypal uh, feminine within. We all have it regardless of our identification. Um, and then animus, the archetypal masculine, we also have all of us have it to measure that. And then, of course, the totality, the wholeness of the self with the capital letter S that goes quite often beyond being fully knowable. In that sense, absolutely all of us, all of us have, have it. And um, the archetypes are absolutely... Um, Correct, uh, Dr. Yana, the archetypes themselves generally incorporate a variety of qualities. And there's such thing as for an archetype that could be uh, expressed very positively for it to be expressed negatively. For example, we know uh, incredible research of Tony Wolf. Uh, and at the time where it was done in the 50s, 60s, it was just tremendous feat and knowledge and understanding. Uh, she has an article that our viewers can find very easily via any search engine. And it's called The Structural Forms of the Feminine Psyche. The Structural Forms of the Feminine Psyche. Uh, she is sharing with everyone who would be willing to read and listen and probably 14, 16 pages, very short article about the four fundamental archetypes pertaining to the feminine psyche. And of course we could say about masculine psyche and of course we can think about variations of preferences, etc. And she speaks about mother, hetera, Amazon and the medial woman. And the idea is that we naturally if we think of, of ourselves or any woman can think of herself right now as naturally from the time the woman is developing through childhood, through adolescence, one of the four archetypes, either mother, hetero or lover, and lover here is in general sense is a lover of beauty, not simply sexual, sensual, it, although it is, but it can be an expression of, of uh, beauty in the world and appreciation for that. So either mother, lover here terror amazon and medial one of them will come in first and quite naturally and strongly if a woman chooses to stay only in that archetype for example let's say archetype of a mother came in first simply because a woman was caring for siblings caring for others even for adults who were unable to care for themselves that archetype of nurturance can come in first and if a woman chooses to only develop this archetype it is likely to um, change to the negative, to manipulation, to, to having, you know, secondary gains, to being very controlling, etc. Yes, it's the reality of thing, things. And then in that map, Tony Wolf shows us how a, one of the adjacent archetypes or both of them are going to develop next. So in that mother territory, right, in the map that Tony Wolf offers, here we have Amazon or someone who pursues on her own right that I can do this. Whatever that is, that can kick in next. Or it could be medial, being present in a very impersonal way to the personal and also transpersonal domain through visions, through receiving information, through having intuition and so on. And typically the fourth archetype 
in that map, archetypal map uh, that Tony Wolf shared with us, will either not come in at all. If it's left unattended, it, it is not likely to come in at all. Or if fortune comes here in the way of knowledge, understanding, support, mentorship, then it can be expressed and quite often in symbolic ways. So in that sense, we're all part of this territory. And for masculine psyche, there, there is an interesting book that was written in the 90s about the four masculine archetypes. And it would be the king, the lover, the warrior, and the magician. And to me, they correspond quite nicely to Tony Wolf's mother, lover of Hetera, uh, Amazon, and medial. And so it's a wonderful read also in, in regardless of gender and how we identify ourselves. It's a wonderful um, read, both of them, into the archetypal wealth of possibilities that we can cultivate within ourselves. And to me, that in and out of itself, knowing that we cannot get one-sided. If we get one-sided, we pay the price. If we think, I'm just going to be in the mother archetype and I'm going to perfect it, guess what? It's likely to turn into the negative because one-sidedness is dangerous for the psyche. We're more than, and this is where our conversation about ascension comes in, right? Everything we're speaking about tonight is has to do with also us rising, yes, in our level of awareness, rising in our own consciousness, rising in our willingness, and that willingness on David R. Hawking's scale would be 310, right? Well above courage, which is at 200. And giving ourselves and gifting ourselves with that cultivation of that lovingness towards ourselves, towards our own uh, pitfalls, towards our own mishaps, towards what we believe we are and all of a sudden we're not, and saying, you know what, I'm going to cultivate that lovingness and I'm going to gift myself with that and those around me and I'll keep forgiving. And again, this is something that works for me. I am sure that readers will figure out what works for them. So to me, it is, it is just a daily, in a sense, a daily prayer. And the prayer could be simply, today I choose to welcome love in my love, life. And maybe today I choose to believe in love again. And that love could be simply gratitude. And we know research what it says about gratitude. Tremendously powerful realm, vibration, and even recalling what we're grateful for. It could be one to three each day changes our life forever. Yeah. It really does. We have so much conversation now in the medium. Anywhere that we go, uh, everyone talks about raising vibration, raising vibration, and raising vibration. There are so many different charts and theories uh, that are, have been developed uh, in the last uh, few decades on how to raise your vibration. But the thing is that it is not uh, so easily done at times uh, when people go through difficult uh, periods of their lives and the suffering is so immense, it is impossible to even consciously approach this uh, situation of raising your vibration because you're so deeply in the suffering that makes it almost impossible to even have the thoughts uh, of um, love and forgiveness. And the most uh, difficult thing to do that I have noticed in my life that we can forgive other people, but we sometimes cannot forgive ourselves. The most difficult thing is to forgive ourselves. And I'm sure that many people would be agreeing with me on that. Perhaps some are disagreeing, but uh, my personal 
life, I have uh, discovered that even if I let go of certain things, uh, I still not able to forgive myself for certain things and let go in order to raise my vibration. Now, we can speak in the terms of just feeling better, healing, for example, right? And that would be the same as raising your vibration. And then how do we let go of that suffering? Is that suffering, for example, is it a replay of those uh, unconscious uh, archetypal stories, our own personal narrative, that sometimes we're not able to let go of that. And we're continuously replaying one and the same story, being stuck in it. So how do we move beyond that? Um, I know that uh, Dr. Marina, you mentioned, mentioned now, now you, Dr. Elliot, also, you guys are so good, you know, like meditating, praying, you're so good. I have to be doing that as well, because I forget uh, that to raise my um, first awareness and second uh, uh, my level of consciousness and third my vibration you know and then when they all come together i start to feel better so in order to do that how do we surpass our own suffering personal narratives by what small actions that we can take in order to move in the right direction coming from immense suffering into the light Okay, the question is for Dr. Marina for now. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I am being nobody attentive jumps in. to my colleagues. No, nobody jumps in. Okay. Yes, I'm being attentive <laughs> to my colleagues. And again, here, um, I feel that, and I know uh, you're absolutely right on about the levels of suffering that can be so deep that it's very difficult for us human beings to extricate ourselves by pulling on our own bootstraps. And this is where professionals, who are invested in healing, in therapeutic modalities of various kinds come in. This is why we rely on them. This is why the vibration of healing that quite often best healers in the world that communicate is that of 500 and higher. And when we pick up that vibration for those who hold it, this in and out of itself is very tuning for us. Each individual, if you ask me, has the self-responsibility for healing, for finding support that they need and for asking for that support. There are spaces, you're absolutely right, for instance, that of shame and guilt and apathy where the energy levels are so low that they're life-threatening for the individual. This is no small matter and proper support is absolutely essential. And this is where all therapeutic and medical professionals can come in of the best kind, those who are transpersonally informed to help individual to raise their vibration, raise their uh, level of energy, physical energy, getting back into the very basics of uh, having nutritional, um, having nourishment for the body. Yes, having, um, uh, you know, back committing back to sleeping hygiene that would be more um, beneficial for the individuals to even simply get rest. And here at the same time, I understand that as we pass those deeply troubling spaces that available to us and human beings, all of us, no exception. As we pass and as we begin to feel stronger energetically, vibrationally, 
it is time for us to look at our core beliefs and core attitude. And that attitudinal vitality, and David R. Hawkins spoke about this, it is absolutely essential in cultivating that level of our vibration of consciousness of what is it that we would like. And then on each level, as we go up and all we go down, we need to look at what here is an attractor in that level and what is actually a stuck place in a sense or secondary gain that prevents us from going higher and of course that is something that not solved in one beautiful conversation but this is something what transpersonal um, professionals look at mind-body medicine archetypal work dream work indigenous healing uh, sound therapy breath work uh, clinical hypnosis, guided imagery, uh, mythopoetics, you name it, gene keys, dream arc, what have you, they come in as something that will call to each of us at different points of our, of our lives. And we know what is calling to us. Yes, what that interest that arises with us. And this is something that, that also Jordan Peterson is so beautifully uh, poignant about that we've got to follow the thread of interest development out of the blue without questioning it. Because if we do not, yes, we're choosing to um, continue to what David R. Hawkins called the juice, receive the juice of secondary gain, and we're comfortable because we are um, not willing at a particular time, yes, to let go of familiarity or secondary gain, secondary reward. So that is a general conversation where we find ourselves. And to me, I can bring it home to how I've learned to work with this. I've learned that beliefs that I held five years ago, five months ago, five days ago, no longer work for me today. And it is up to me to keep holding on to them or to keep consciously, consciously cultivate beliefs that work for me. David R. Hoggins was tremendous influence in that. So is, uh, Bruce Lipton for me, yes, because he catches himself right on the spot. Oh, excuse me, what did I just say? Oh, I canceled that. And instead, this is what I choose to believe. And for David R. Hawkins, it was simple like this. Yes, this is what I used to believe. I canceled this right now. And instead, I believe that. For instance, I had a moment recently where somehow I had a, a very powerful experience in conversation with the person I've... Uh, met and we had a conversation and I will never meet this woman again but she had such an impact on me that after um, allowing myself to go into process of all of, of the conversation I said to myself out loud and I really meant it beyond the intellectual domain and that was the difference I do believe in love again my life changed forever it's just as simple as that because all of a sudden something click for me and all of a sudden the intellectual or the left hemisphere let go and it went into the right hemisphere or this imaginal world where everything is possible and transitioning from 400 domain and that would be david r hawking's domain of intellect that goes from 400 to 499 and jumping the paradigm into 500 in an embodied way uh that was a spiritual uh grace i can only um have dreamed about and it came because a stranger seeming stranger right cared enough to have soul soul conversation in a way 
that we both benefited and therefore the world at large. So everything we choose in terms of our belief resonates, vibrates into the world around us. And this is just one of the examples how we can cultivate uh, and rise in our own development and cultivate the habits that help us to hold this vibration. Even Dr. Yana, when that means cleaning the entire house before going to chapter five and dissertation, that happened to me back in 2012. I just could not go into chapter five till I cleaned the house up and down. And I now know it was an ascension activity. I had to get organized in such a way that my psyche could actually be present with uh, material that at the time for me was high voltage. A lot of what was going on. So why don't we see it as an essential activity? Whatever is that that we must do before we get to the meat and potatoes of things. Maybe it's well, cleaning the dish, okay? <laughs> Maybe it's just doing the stretches. Maybe it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, there's a very simple way. I find it those of you who are fond of, of, um, of what are they called? The kids jump on. Trampoline, there you have it. Trampoline, I know in Russian, but English is, is a little behind here for me. You know, it, it is such a powerful, simple exercise that is heaven for lymphatic system. It's just simply jumping at your own pace. It could be like that far or that far and all the way in a trampoline. And it resets the mind-body psyche in a very simple way. It does for me. I'm not alone. I wonder if that could be something we again go to literally raise ourselves in vibration as we jump up but also help our mind body psyche with all of the processes that are happening for us 24 7. so it, it could be or rather could it be that every part of our being our mind our psyche our soul our physical body our emotions, our, again, belief system, etc. All of them are up for our grades every day and opportunities are many. And we choose which ones we take. And that is so essential. Now, you mentioned that we can go away from the intellectual understanding of things. Oh, all of a sudden, I don't hear anyone. <laughs> I'm going down below 200 again on technical terms. So... Um, our science has developed over the centuries and our psychological science developed and the technical science has developed. Now we moved from the stone age to where we are now. And of course, we understand and we have intellectual conversations on archetypes and the role in our psychics, for example. And we have all of those charts moving beyond 203 and 4 and 5 and finally ascending to the heights that we would never come back to be reborn again on this earth. When in fact, everything goes to that conversation that you had with that woman that you would never see again, which is love. Nobody was speaking in the ancient times of raising our vibrations as we talk now. We listen to the sound bowls. So we raise vibrations in any way that we can. By the way, I have the sound bowls and I love them. <laughs> and um, everything comes just, just the pure human connectedness, heart to heart, and the willingness to have that connection when that moment that you had with that woman has become so rare in our modern life that we seclude ourselves from uh, everyone um, 
with a fear of having that human connection. And in fact, that connectedness between us humans, this is what makes us human in the understanding of uh, love and respect and um, just living in peace with each other. If you just look at the, the uh, situation in the world, it is all of the dark forces that are against and the people are going against each other and their wars and murders. So how do we go? How we how do we go beyond that and go into ascension that we can be speaking of uh, uh, raising vibration and going up uh, and finally reaching the point of our highest self? But when, how do we transpose the atrocities of the world society creates itself, that we create ourselves, that our shadows are being projected, uh, or the societal shadows are being projected, cultural shadows are projected on other cultures, and one goes against the other. Like, for example, uh, there, every culture has something in it that they hate in other cultures. Somehow we think that we are supreme, and others are way below us. Uh, been there myself i was raised that way and um <laughs> i was thinking that okay like for example in northern europe right uh, people probably don't hate each other because they're all quite the same but no you think about the irish you think about the the english you think of the scots and there is this animosity there's this uh, uh always something going on there's uh, even in the south like the south uh, azerbaijan and armenia they're having something they hate each other everyone thinks that the the opposite uh, ethnicity is the really the um something below dirt <laughs> you know how can we bring that on the more mundane level in order to surpass that um, suffering in the world? Do we just do it one by one? Like, do we take ourselves seriously? Do we look at ourselves in the mirror first? When we want to change the society, um, <clears throat> and we scream on every corner that, oh, I'm changing the society, I'm going to do this and that, and we have all of this, um, signs and billboards oh i am for this like politically for example we're identifying ourselves when we don't even want to look into the mirror and see our own face we don't want to see our own psyche and to do something within ourselves and of course we in order to look at ourselves that it is scary to look into ourselves it is scary to understand where we come from right and moving away from the idea of archetypes or anything else of the intellectual, we have probably, we have to be able to look at ourselves first, what we can change inside, what is not working, coming back to Dr. Marina's statement, that what does not belong. If what does not belong must be dealt with, but if we don't look at ourselves, if we don't dive deep inside to understand ourselves, we can't change the society. We'll always be projecting ourselves, our own shadows, our own hatred onto other people and the societies per se. I, for example, I can uh, boast of, um, in fact, transforming myself uh, to some extent and um, moving up on the spiritual ladder 
beyond 200. Well, I think that I am below to, above 200 and I'm moving in the right direction. However, all those deeply ingrained patterns that we have that were culturally imposed on us, right? The hatred, for example, that is so incredibly powerful. I was the other day, uh, I couldn't sleep and I woke up at uh, 5.30 and at six o'clock I was already walking my dogs. Believe it or not, I was in the park and there were so many other people walking in the park. And I saw the couple, the elderly couple holding hands and they were somewhere from the Middle East. And I myself, of course, uh, being from the Middle East and being kicked out of there and having the going through the war and all of this atrocities, uh, I would um, I deny that part of myself that their culture, which is the Middle Eastern culture, and I did not know at the time where they were coming from, right, where they came from here to the United States. I immediately assumed I had I wanted nothing to do with them, and I was walking by. And I said, I'm going to make an attempt. I'm going to make an attempt. And I did. And I spoke to them as they were holding hands. They were probably like early 70s. And I spoke to them. And I said, good morning in a language that I thought that they would understand. And they did. And they had this incredible smiles on their faces that somebody that would look like this white American actually looked at them and said good morning to them and said good morning to them in the language that they can understand it was such a huge step for me not that i hated those people but i hated that part of myself was not probably um i've not been able to forgive myself for being a part of the society that had uh this incredible hatred and the war going on when i uh, was growing up in azerbaijan so turn out to be that that couple was so happy, but just looking at me, the man said, I told him that I was from Baku, from Azerbaijan, and he looked at me, he said that we are from um, Afghanistan. And of course, they understood what I was saying. But then by looking at me, he said, are you Russian? Yes, I'm ethnically Russian. So he started speaking Russian to me because he was the driver when the Russian troops were stationed in Afghanistan. So look at that connectedness when we speak all these intellectual terms and we can speak endlessly and publish endless number of papers on that. When everything comes to the pure form of love and connectedness between people. So their culture is my culture. So how come do we deny that part of ourselves and we continue to deny up until we make that conscious choice, like you, Dr. Marina said, we have to make that conscious choice and look into ourselves and not until people that were passing on the street at six o'clock in the morning. I could have easily uh, dismiss it and just walk by. But no, I spoke in their language and they understood that. And that language is not even the um, verbal language. That was a language of love and respect. And that was is all that matters in our human uh, interaction with each other. So having love, Dr. Marina, I'm, I'm not surprised that you're talking about it now, but it's kind of surprising that we even talk about it on this podcast. Love transcends hatred. So if we just have the ability or even desire, the slightest desire to look into our own souls, we will be able 
to transform not just ourselves, but the society around us. Not to go and scream at every corner, I am changing everything that I, <laughs> I am going to change the world. Start with yourself. Start with yourself first. And it is okay to start with yourself because when we have this feeling of shame that we don't deserve it, no, we do. We do. By just being alive, we deserve. Which I, I actually don't like this word deserve. We don't deserve actually anything in this world, right? We come here thanks to our mothers and our fathers, right? They, they, they carry for us. They deserve love and respect. And what do we deserve by being born here, right? We have to also earn that. So this concept of deserving something is alien to me. I don't deserve anything. You know, I work toward it and uh, um, I build this connectedness uh, with other people. Now I forgot what I was going to say, you know, it's, uh, and for Ellen, it's almost midnight for you too, right? <laughs> yes, no, so it's, uh, it's 12, easily 1238 here on the Atlantic coast. Oh, see that, see that. Yeah. And uh, you're so no, composed. That's an act of love. That's an act of, <laughs> that's an love. Act of love. That's, that's right. right. In determination. And unconditional love should we unconditional love. That's right. 540. That's an example, Dr. Elliot. But Dr. Yana, thank you so much for helping us again to anchor in everyday life. How does it all land? Because we have opportunities every moment. We, we make decisions all the time, unconsciously, even when we think we do not. And any time we remember that we are in the territory, even with that map again, and I just would like to, to speak to that a little more because some of our viewers and listeners may say, ah, aha, I see it in a different way. Um, in that map of consciousness by David R. Hawking, since very easily available through any search engine, uh, engine, by the way, on internet, the map is right there. Think of it as, again, um, vibrational or uh, level of consciousness um, help to navigate and negotiate where we are at. Humanly, we can be thrown anywhere. Maybe it is a mystical experience and we hit 600 and all of a sudden as it subsides, we're never the same. But then again, the everyday life kicks in and we forget or seemingly forget that we actually understand who we are. We understand that uh, the divinity within is a life and well, especially after experiences of mystical nature. We understand that. Nobody needs to, to um, convince us in that anymore. And at the same time, if we are not receiving proper support in our inner circles for the demanding journey of ascension, of personal development, of raising our own consciousness, of manifesting fully our divine human, human divine nature, we can experience, again, we can drop at least for a period of time in, in territories of be it fear or be it uh, regret or be it what have you. And the idea is that it's okay that we visit those territories, but we've got to extricate ourselves as reasonably quickly, if you ask me in my biased and limited perspective, as we can. And as long as we keep setting up camp, metaphorically speaking, in the vibrational territories that are 200 or higher, and call that our home. It's okay to visit places that we visit. Yes, and, and this is where uh, spiritual bypassing comes in. Yes, we've got to work with what is, what presents itself at the measure it presents itself. And then we keep developing spiritual tools, such as meditation, such as contemplation. And contemplation could be anything. 
and everything and as a way of life to be in present to what is yes in the best way we know how and that example this beautiful story thank you so much for that gift dr yana of your willingness at 310 on that map of david r hawkins at 310 that's a high level not willfulness but willingness yes exactly all of a sudden allowed you full access to that lovingness of 500s and what a gift and all of a sudden synchronistically magically serendipitously things happen in a miraculous way how can it be because not only you had courage you were willing to you're willing to and anytime we are willing to surrender to the higher forces of our understanding call it god call it the divine call it the holy spirit call it what have you that we truly bow to uh in a sense that we recognize yes that this forces give us life anytime we are willing to surrender to the higher will we're willing to surrender to that divine will within us we win and we can do it at any stage of our yes. lives regardless yes. where we are at that moment exactly and our stories are are just testament to this yes very humble experiential um gifts if you will and they are for sharing because miracles happen every day and they are ordinary and non-ordinary and extraordinary trust personal etc 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 and dr elliot i i just i am so um excited to hear from your perspective how is it for you in your life and what shows up for you in terms of ascension or energy or um how do you cultivate your own vibrational levels to work in the territories where uh, angels are scared to, 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 to trot? Mm. And I speak about with a lot of respect because this is not for everyone. This is not for um, individuals who don't hold a very strong spine physically, personally, transpersonally. How do you navigate this domain and hold your own vibration and help others to do that? It's not for the faint-hearted, for sure. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. There was uh, one case I worked um, that involved uh, a demonic entity, and uh, I had spent quite a bit of time at the house. I'd go and stay there for uh, two to three weeks at a time, and um, I found by the by the end of the, the trip while I was there trying to help the family, uh, it was definitely taking a toll on, on me. So when I would come back home to Canada, you know, I would recharge my batteries and, and that may be, um, you touched on some of the things, uh, such as like the healthy eating, um, exercise as well is, is another, uh, good benefit because, you know, uh, not only does it release, you know, endorphins and, and, uh, chemistry uh you know or, or chemistry but um it also helps you push through things you know like or at least when i worked out i would push through things mentally um you know if i had a rough day at work i was a police officer for 15 years if i had a rough day at work i'd hit the gym and i'd be able to turn that negative energy that i absorbed all day uh and use it you know through exercise to burn it off basically and then when you finished your workout, you know, you felt really good. You felt healthy. You had that, uh, biological chemical release. Um, so that's certainly, uh, two things that I would make sure I would do, uh, when I'd come back. Um, I'm very much into, uh, 
mindfulness. Uh, I'm more familiar with, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness. So um, CBT and, and mindfulness have helped me as well. A uh, bit of meditation, I find, uh, that really helps set the day, uh, for sure. If you do it uh, first thing in the morning, kind of sets your day or take periodic breaks throughout the day, even if you can only fit 10, 20 minutes in, like you guys both talked about, really, uh, it's about self-development and you know, forgiveness and not trying to be so hard on yourself. And by doing all that, you do really aspire and ascend to be a better person. And, um, you know, those are certainly things that I, that I do for sure. Uh, so when I work these types of cases, I, you know, I go in there being conscious that, uh, you know, there could be some negative energy that you're absorbing, uh, especially in the, in the environment, but, um, you know, I certainly go in there, I, I do a professional job. And then when I'm done that job, I really try and just kind of do some self care and, and work on myself. And, uh, I, that's important if you're doing any sort of work in not so much just regular hauntings where you have, you know, normal, nice, conscious people, uh, that you're dealing with that have passed on through physical, uh, after physical death. But, um, when you're working those demonic type cases, it, it's really, really important. Um, you know, most haunting cases we get called to, um, it's usually like a family person that's hanging around, or it might be somebody that was attached to the property before the new owners took over. So it's nothing like evil or malicious or anything like that for the most part. But those ones that you do come across, um, certainly you have to, you have to take your precautions and you have to do your self care afterwards. Um, you know, I always say, you know, as parapsychologists, we believe that when you die, that your consciousness and personality will like remain intact past the physical death part. So if you were a nice, kind person in, in this physical realm, that's what you're going to be in the spiritual realm. You don't, you don't change dramatically. So if you were a not nice person, you know, like a Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy or a serial killer, you're going to be that same consciousness and that same personality in the after afterlife. So it depends on what kind of house you get called to, but for the most part, you know, we don't really get called to those crazy evil kind of cases that you see in TV. Um, but like I said, Every once in a while, you will get a pretty wild case, and you just have to basically, you know, like I said, do that self-care, uh, whatever that is for you. Uh, different people may find different things help. Some people don't find meditation helps. I, I like it. I, I find it helps. So you got to find what that is for you. Is it exercise? Is it meditation? Is it spiritual counseling? Um, you know, some people find comfort in that. Uh, so yeah, it, it really depends. You just got to kind of find what your niche is for self-care. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate your down-to-earth and well-developed way of being with all sorts of energies. And you're absolutely right. And all three of us know in our own way how demanding um, the field of consciousness can be. <laughs> with everything it presents ourselves with and you know as you were sharing by the way thank you so much for contributing 15 years oh thank you of your life of conscious service to the society to hold each of us 
in a way of more safety, in a way of more being more cognizant and being more present in a way that others need your strength, I'm sure in many situations. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I honor your contribution and your gift to all of us. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, uh, as police yeah. officers, we always seem to meet people on their worst day. And uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, the more longer you're in there, you forget that there's good, you know, decent people out there as well, because everyone you're dealing with, you're dealing with uh, people that are on having their worst day of their life. So um, it's definitely something that I've always been cognizant of and, and done a lot of self-care as well. Uh, when I, you know, would get home from my shift. And nevertheless, Dr. Elliot, after having retired, you're still in a very similar field, still helping people, still diving deep into the problems and atrocities of everyday life, right? You're still there helping people. So coming back to your own archetype, that's the archetype of the hero. Archetype, uh, I can't say the savior, but probably the archetype of the hero, right, Dr. Marina? And you are there, uh, bring your shoulder to people that are not able to deal with their own problems. And um, archetype of the hero is not um, an easy undertaking. It's not an easy path in life. And you will agree, agree with me like no one else. Being a hero is not an easy task. It's like it is also not for the faint hearted because you have to go and conquer dragons. If not every day, then pretty often, and there's one huge sing single dragon that you have to conquer for yourself personally in order to move forward. So that the uh, archetype of the hero, this is yours. Um, so my, for example, my archetypes are the archetypes of uh, uh, even the Persephone going, um, um, it's someone to details. And of course that, the, that would also be the archetypal complex uh, because her mother and her husband Hades uh, he would also be the part of the archetypal complex. And then you also acquire the parts of the mother, Demetra, of course, the Persephone as the goddess uh, of harvest uh, of the light and day, or light of day, of the light of the day and the, the underworld as well. So everything, we have our own stories, our own narratives that we live. And uh, you, Dr. Elliot, you couldn't go anywhere from it. As you stepped on the path of the heroic journey, you didn't steer away. This is what you've been doing. And uh, just to, to help us understand and help the viewers understand uh, the archetypal patterns, they're not necessarily so uh, difficult to understand. They are an everyday occurrence, an everyday occurrence. And like uh, you, Dr. Marina mentioned that you can't be uh, just a one uh, fa facet of one archetype. You have to develop it fully. So you have to be that beautiful woman, Hitera, right? You have to be able to be that the great, the great mother caring for your families, correct? And in order to develop yourself and move and ascend, uh, we have to be conscious of our own uh, patterns, of our own trajectories in life and not walking unconsciously. We have to be able to know our own stories, 
the path in this life because otherwise we are going to be stuck. It's so important to understand your own personal story because from it comes everything else. Yeah, that's very true. I think you hit uh, you hit it right on top of the head there. Yeah, that's right. Hit the nail. Hit the nail. <laughs> hit, hit the nail, not your thumb. Hit the, <laughs> that's right. Sometimes it happens the other way. <laughs> yeah, yes, especially for me. Uh, I'm not so good, and that's why I need the uh, the hero, for example, that would come and put the nail into the wall, <laughs> right? And we all need we. Um, Possessing different archetypes, of course, of different storylines in our lives, They're coming from so many different directions in life. We need each other, right? We need each other. I need someone to put that nail into my wall, right? To get on the ladder and to paint my high ceilings, right? I need someone to do that uh, because I'm not able to do it. And not because I did not develop my own personal archetype, but because we're so interconnected in this life and we need each other as humans. So with this tendency as it is now in the society of disconnectedness and complete disconnectedness, and it's not only on the personal level as the countries, societies per se, and we must bring ourselves back together. But if we're not conscious of it, it will not take place. And yet, Dr. Yana, I know fairly well that the archetype of the Amazon, and I'm referring here to that map, by Tony Wolf with a mother, hetero lover, Amazon in the middle. It's alive and well. I've seen you painting walls beautifully. Look at that, revealing all of my secrets here. Uh, well, you know, the listeners and the viewers need to know that we can and we, we do are able and we can. Exactly. Absolutely. Because we say so. And in that measure, we also get to negotiate our archetypes because archetypes are so powerful. They can come in, swallow us life and spit us out. We negotiate our territories. We say, you know what? We're only human. And also not just only human, I am a woman and I need a man in my life in order to also to fulfill his own masculine duties, right? duties to the society do duty to me as a woman so we while we can of course to beat the nail into the wall and thank you so much dr elliot for talking about it now dr marina is revealing all of my secrets that happen <laughs> behind the closed doors look at that simply and ask, painting, for example and simply everything. ask dr yana i am here simply <laughs> ask <laughs> yeah just ask her she'll tell you everything about me <laughs> so yes while it is so important to be able to do everything and not just um be stuck in one particular facet of your uh, archetypal complex nevertheless we have to be acceptive and really receptive of other people in our lives so which is we're talking about the masculine energies that the the um anima and animals that you've mentioned that we have in our souls and if our viewers don't know what it is then the men have this idea of a woman in their psyches that has been comprised of so many different images of uh, females that they had seen from the beginning of their life to the point that they are right now. And that would be the not necessarily that the most gorgeous drop that gorgeous woman with legs that start from her neck, for example, right? It would be the type of a woman 
that is that is responsive the image of a woman that would be would find response in his own soul in his understanding of the love and beauty because as we say that the the beauty is in the eye of the beholder yeah in our own eye right uh so and the same is the idea of uh, a man right the animus that is a part of our female souls as well. That what happens to us, uh, to women, we have that idea of a man for whom we're searching our entire life. Like in my personal case, that I've been looking uh, for a particular man that only I had the understanding of what it was. You know, only I, in my mind, nobody else did. And you go through the life unconscious of it of the animals that you have unconscious of it right and you go through the life knowing that this is not it this is not it and that is not it and when in the world that is going to come into my life and you don't know and you know only at the time when it comes and then it's like hitting the nail on the head oh i love this expression it's like <laughs> and finally i nailed that head not that nail whatever guys <laughs> it's midnight i nailed it doesn't Come matter on. where i nail it i nail it on the head somewhere <laughs> i nailed it so finally <laughs> but it takes time and once you know it you know it and that knowingness comes from the inside it does not correspond to other people's understanding of the person that you chose it is your person and only yours and then the journey and leaving the stage has only begun <laughs> yes then then the journey, the has, journey only has only begun yes yes yes, yes. And, and you know as as you spoke about this dr yama thank you so much um i'm returning to your question that you offered all of us our viewers and listeners also in the beginning what can help one of the ways is simple ways that each of us, should we want to, should we find it suitable, should we find that this resonates with us, and at whichever time, we could simply begin setting an intention for every day of our life, maybe for the moment, moment, morning, maybe also for the afternoon, maybe also for the evening, maybe also before we go to bed, because a lot happens in the dream world, we all know this. Why not consider that ancient practice that went by many names that allows us to contribute to the context that are optimal for manifesting our fullest, highest potentials we're here to manifest? Again, divinely human, humanly divine, why not? Why can't we remember the Lion King and the scene where the sky, celestial sky opens up and Simba is looking at the sky and his father who passed on manifests for a moment in celestial garment clad in stars and tells him, remember who you are. You are a true king. Calling to the divinity within in each of us. Wouldn't it be 
wonderful wouldn't it be amazing and i wonder what it would be like for each of us to consider that we have this power to set intention wholeheartedly and also surrender the rest to the divine that goes by many names the god of our understanding and not to actually look from the outside right somewhere right. in the sky somewhere uh, some people look at the under the ground of course like for the opposite uh, for the negative archetype like uh, from the positive and negative but it's also important to understand that divinity is in us that's right it's nowhere divinity else is divinity is in well, us i am who i, I beg am to differ. i beg to differ in this one I'm goddess. Well, you know, a joke comes to mind. Okay, everybody, let's lighten up a bit. Okay. A dog sees his owner coming home and says, My owner, he loves me, he pets me, he makes eye contact with me, he feeds me, he walks me. He must be God cat sees his owner coming in says hmm my owner he pets me he gives me eye contact he feeds me he loves me all the freedom i want day and night i must be god we get to figure it out each of us right <laughs> I know. I, was, I need. To I, I was waiting for the third component. Like, who, who was the third? The, the third, third one. We figure it out exactly. exactly. The third <laughs> one. We figure, figure it out. out. <laughs> who are we? The dog or a cat? I'm a or cat. I'm maybe a cat. we have our own our own pattern of leaning into divinity within and without. Could it be? Actually, we're lions, and lions uh, have been represented as a symbol. So also, also the divine as well of the might and power. So, Dr. Elliot is a Dutch lion. Yes, I am. And I am the Sumerian lion, right? So we're cats. Let's become cats. So well, we I are gods. Siberian cats. Remember. <laughs> yeah. Cat. And you're a tiger. <laughs> yeah. Right. We it's have to one. know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we have to remember that I am who I am. And we have to stay true to ourselves. And I would like to end this amazing, incredible podcast with the understanding, with the thought as we go to sleep, that we are who we are. And we have the divinity in us. And if we want to change anything in our lives, we start with ourselves and we're allowing ourselves to do that. We must understand that without any narcissistic uh, um, behavior here that I am that cat I'm that cat I must be God and once we understand that so many things will change in our lives so I am who I am by our allowing ourselves to be who we really are not who we are how Dr. Elliot said that this is my persona this is who I am no who we really are what is our mission on this earth and our destiny and what we have to accomplish on this earth like dr elliot who he's a hero he saved so many people their souls they their lives so in here being a therapist as well here i'm diminishing the suffering in life and you dr marina as well 
not only that you work with people by diminishing their suffering in life, but you're also teaching them at the university level on how to be that person in order to move, to bring the light into the lives of other people and to their own. So I would like to thank all of you for your amazing perspectives, for your wisdom, and for your willingness, willingness to That's be right. at 310. At, at 310. Willingness yes. to be here. Yes, so. and thank you, Dr. Yana, for inviting us both. And it is a true treasure and pleasure to share in wonderful company of our viewers and listeners. And we shall continue to remember who we are. And each day brings a new level of awareness and new depth. And that I trust. That's great. I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the show, uh, um, Dr. Uh, Smirnova. I think it was very enlightening to hear you speak. And uh, you gave us and the viewers uh, a lot to think about and, and for us to uh, work uh, on our self-improvement. And um, yeah, uh, just thanks so much for coming on. Uh, thank you, everyone, as well, for listening to Science and the Paranormal, broadcasting live from the United uh, Public Radio Network, the UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans, and also on uh, Roku TV. Thank you. Blessings and many, everyone. Blessings to everyone. Until we meet again on the Science and Paranormal. Bye -bye. Have a good